A word of warning that I am about to talk about money. Skylar, I'm sorry that this is happening on your baptism day. I don't set the readings. And I want to be clear that I should be no one's example of how to deal with money. I do not have this part of my life figured out. I'm currently dealing with a very high level of guilt regarding the amount of money I spent on eyeshadow yesterday. And in the past month, I have Googled the phrase, how does credit work? But here we go. The rich man, in today's parable from the Gospel of Luke, like many of us, gives money more power in his life than it actually has. He thinks that his wealth can bring him security. He's had this abundant harvest, and so he looks at his new full barns And he says, I have everything I need for this year and for the years to come. He thinks that this wealth is what's going to protect him from whatever life throws at him. It's what is going to allow him to handle whatever adversity he faces. This man, perhaps after a lifetime of work, finally feels safe. Like he can take care of all the people he loves. Those full barns or would allow him to say to himself, relax, eat and drink and be merry. But God reminds him in the end that wealth can't actually provide that safety. That night, it turns out, he dies. And we're reminded that in the end, all of our lives will end and how much money we have won't count at all. I grew up in Houston during the Enron scandal. And I remember the experience of finding out that in one day, the pensions and retirement savings of hundreds, maybe even thousands of people were just gone. Their jobs, the work they'd done for decades, all their savings gone in an instant through no fault of their own. Here in the Bay Area, many of you might have witnessed the same phenomenon during the dot-com bubble. People's savings and livelihoods can be gone in an instant. Money can't provide the safety and security that we depend on it for. It's not what makes us happy either. Of course, life without the basic means of survival, without a roof over our heads, without enough to eat, without basic security is incredibly painful. There are interesting studies, though, that show that Every $10,000 that you make tends to make people incrementally happier until you reach a certain point. At the time they did the study, that was $70,000. I'd imagine that wasn't done in the Bay Area. But over a certain number, over the number it takes to live a basic, modest life, money stops producing happiness. Every $10,000 increment over that number where you can basically provide for your family doesn't actually add any more happiness. Having more doesn't make you happier. We all know that what gives true joy, what offers real and lasting security, is our relationships. The ties we have to our friends, to our families, and to God. That dense network of relationships is really what gives our lives meaning and purpose. It's that network that catches us when we fall and holds us up 
when we're stumbling. That's what provides us real safety. God, our friends, our families, that's what matters. That's what gives us the deepest joy. Of course, we know this. We've seen it again and again. But knowing it intellectually is one thing, and really living as if it were true is something else entirely. Really trusting that our safety and security come from God is incredibly hard. Very few things can inspire anxiety and fear and guilt in our lives quite like money. Nothing can destroy marriages and friendships, cause rifts in families quite like money. And the parable that Jesus tells today is a story about untangling that knot in our stomach that comes up when we think about finances. It's a story about how to find a little bit of freedom, how to put money back in the right proportion in our lives. The rich man in the story, like me, like many of us perhaps, wants his money to do something that it fundamentally can't do. He's not content for his money to simply be a blessing. He wants it to be more. He wants it to provide safety and security and a foundation for happiness. And money can't do that. And we get confused and tangled and anxious when we think that it can. That's where we get in trouble, when we ask money to do something for us that it can't. Wealth, as we know, can't protect us from tragedy. It can't make us feel loved and accepted. It can't give our lives meaning. Only God can do that. The end of the parable, Jesus says that instead of storing up treasures on earth, we should instead be rich toward God. Jesus suggests that investing in God rather than in our bank accounts is the key to freedom. The Quaker theologian Richard Foster takes up this theme and offers several suggestions for how to untangle the emotional knots that we have about money. He offers several suggestions for how to be what Jesus calls rich toward God. First, he says, and I found this really surprising and interesting. He says, find one person in your life that you trust enough to talk to about your feelings about money. Like the real stuff like shame you feel about overspending or debt, or the fact that your dad lost his job when you were little and you decided you were never, ever going to be financially insecure again, or the jealousy you feel toward neighbors with bigger houses or more expensive vacations, all that ugly stuff that we keep inside. He says, tell one person who will listen to you with gentleness and compassion and help you see with a little more clarity what you're hoping money will do for you and whether or not it can actually fulfill that purpose. Knowing where our blind spots are and having someone who can look at them with us with compassion can go a long way to help us untangle our expectations around finances. Second, Foster says, acknowledge that everything we have comes from God and belongs to God. He suggests walking around your house and picturing everything you own as if it were imprinted with a giant stamp that says, property of God. 
He says this can help us receive what we have with gratitude and hold on to it a little more lightly. It can help us to feel more freedom in using what we have in the service of others, letting it go when we need to. And finally, and this might be the most surprising piece of advice he offers, Foster says, give generously. Give to the church, give to nonprofits, give. He says, nothing can untangle the power that money has in our lives like giving. Because the act of giving helps us to let go of the idea that our security comes from our bank accounts. It helps us to let go of the illusion that we can control the future. It helps us to trust God and to let go. And when we give, somehow we go from feeling like we can never quite keep up with our neighbors to feeling generous, like we have enough and some to share. When we give and when we allow our children to be part of that process, we communicate our values to them. We say, this is who we are, and this is what matters to us. And when we give, we realize that we don't need quite as much as we thought we did. We realize that the eyeshadow, the stuff we thought that we absolutely needed, was really just kind of an extra. And finally, the act of giving makes us emotionally and spiritually more invested in the church and in the community to which we give. I had a long argument with a friend about this passage, and she said, why are you talking about money? Why don't you talk to people about going out into the community and serving? Well, first of all, Jesus is talking about money here. And the reason I think the deep wisdom behind this is that he knows that if we can have that freedom and generosity with money, our actions follow that. We're much more likely to invest our time and energy in a church, in a community organization, when we're also financially invested. It's a sort of strange truth of human behavior. Jesus always says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your commitment to this community grows as you give financially. Jesus calls us not to store up treasure for ourselves, but to be rich toward God. The great church reformer Martin Luther said in the 16th century that being a Christian requires converting three times. Conversion of the heart, conversion of the mind, and conversion of the wallet. That last one, at least for me, is probably the hardest. But it's the only way to find some freedom and joy around our financial life, to put money in its proper perspective and place, and to allow ourselves to invest most deeply in the things that can really bring joy. Friends, family, and community, all grounded in our relationship with a loving God. Amen.